I would have been tilting this way the entire time. The people on this side would have got nothing. And I, I would have felt bad about that. You know, I've heard it from people that you never ask a question. You're not supposed to ask a question you don't want the answer to. Okay, if you don't want an honest answer, hey, do I look bad? Don't answer, ask that question if you don't want to be told. Yeah, you look bad. Does this, do, does this look wrong on me? Yeah. Do I look stupid to you? Oh, don't ask. No. No, don't answer that. No. Uh, I also heard from lawyers that you never ask a question in court in which you do not already know the answer. You never answer, ask a question until you already know the answer. So you don't want to be caught up by asking somebody, did you do it? And they say, yes. Oh, you weren't supposed to say that. You know? So basically, they always ask questions that they already have known. And the question I have for you today is, have you ever struggled in your faith, and most likely because of the circumstances of life? And I think for all of us here, we've struggled. We've had times where our faith is soaring, everything seems to be clicking along, and we've had other times in life where our faith is not soaring along. And a lot of times we're in a mix of both. Or we say, why does God seem to be blessing somebody else and the blessings aren't coming to me? Why is God seeming to have good things happen to them and not so good things happening to me? Some, sometimes something that used to come easy is now becoming hard in your life. Maybe there's a sickness in your life or your family. Others are letting you down, especially leaders, people that you looked up to. I, I, there's an article written by a friend of mine uh, her and her husband's are, are pastor in New Orleans, and she talked about three of her greatest mentors of her life all had moral failures within the last year. All, mostly with sexual sin, have fallen from grace. Now, they you know, can be forgiven and all of that, but people, men that she looked up to, her youth pastor, uh, one of her uh, uh, leaders who got her going into ministry, and, and somebody, and she talked about even teachers that we had at North Central. She was at North Central near when I was there. And they let her down. And the leaders that should have been drawing her closer to God were forcing her further away. An obstacle that, maybe it's an obstacle that's in front of you that seems too large for even God to handle. Something comes up in your life and you say, I don't know. I believe in God. I believe in God can help me find my keys. Okay? That, that, that God can do. But can God really move mountains? Can God really help me overcome what's coming up in my life? Maybe it's an overcoming debt or, or a, a health issue again. Um, family relations. I mean, just think of all the things that come up. A job situation. Can God do it? Now the story we're going to talk to you today about is in Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 14. And, it's, and the title is, Help, My Faith is Struggling. And I think that that's something that we, we all may have called out at one time. And if we had, I'm not sure that we're being honest. My faith is struggling. You know, we need to be honest with one another. One of the things that I see in churches is you come to church and you feel like you have to tell people what they want to hear, which is, everything is going well. Well, first of all, that's not possible, because we live in a fallen world, right? So, and if, 
if we are truly to be the body of Christ, we need to let each other know, my faith is struggling. And so what happens because of that, we feel like we have to say that. If our faith is struggling, if we are going through something difficult, we don't come. If we're struggling with something and something has hit us, we just don't come. Especially if we've been like, maybe we've uh, been caught in sin or, or we've done something that we weren't supposed to do and we're fighting a sin and we've let in that week. Instead of coming where the body of Christ can lift us up, we just pull away and say, God must not love me now because look at me, I'm a sinner. And we pull further and further from God. So the passage we're talking about today is Jesus and Peter and James and John are coming off the mountain of the transfiguration. Remember last week? We had the glowing Jesus with the bleach, uh, bleach clothes that were greater than anything that ever could be done. They saw Elijah and, and Moses. Probably want, you, know, you talk about the mountaintop experience, this is it. And immediately they are dumped into a mess of unbelief, disappointment, and debate. And this is what can happen. Some of the greatest times that we have in our lives, all of a sudden, reality hits. Boom, right there. Hey, everything's not going well. Everything's not going the way it's supposed to. So let's just look at this story and find out what we can find out about how to help us with struggling faith, how to keep us strong in our faith, and what we can do when we just look up to God and say, I'm struggling, God. I don't know what to do. Is he there to help us? Can he handle our problems? So we're going to talk, first of all, about a failure of faith. So, and when they came, it started with verse 14, and when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes arguing with them. And now this is Jesus and Peter and James and John. They're coming down. They see the other disciples. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. So here's one of the things that can happen that can really hurt our faith, is an embarrassing public failure. Hey, pastor, we're glad you're here. You're going to be the one to really help this situation. Or, thank God, the person we know that's a believer in God is here to help, and it doesn't go the way you, don't, you want it to. Or, you're the person who's the, the, the good, supposedly the Christian person at the office, and all of a sudden your project doesn't work right, and you don't look like much of a good person the way you react to it. I may be the only person that ever had that happen, but you might know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden people are looking at you going, what? I thought God was in you. I thought you were different. Or, and there's always the critics. They're going to be there to jump on you. Now you see right here, it says that they were arguing with the scribes. Remember the scribes? These are the guys that just like to argue. That's, that's, they, they've got a gift, and that is to tear people down. It's not a good gift. But that's their job. They think it's their job to, to keep the, the church pure, or the uh, temple pure. So they're arguing with, G, with the disciples. And it says that they are arguing in a hostile way. And they're telling them, you weren't able to drive out this demon. What is your problem? 
This proves everything we've been saying about you and Jesus. You guys are frauds. You're not real. If Jesus was real, you wouldn't have this happening to you. You would have this all in control. Have you ever heard these arguments before? True Christians shouldn't have any of this going on. And they're just kind of getting it at this time. And they're on... What I've found is that an unfortunate, quote, strength that religious people seem to have, and I'm talking about proud religious people, is they're really good at pointing out other people's flaws. Okay? It's a really, it's, it's a fine-tuned skill. You know, there was uh, somebody, I went to the Gopher football game yesterday, and there was somebody out there preaching as we walked up to the game. I use the word preaching very loosely. Basically, he was yelling at everybody how sinful and horrible they were. And I thought to myself, nobody was around him. Nobody was, I mean, people could hear him because he had a blasting speaker. But yes, people need to understand that they're in need of hope and salvation. But just sitting and pointing out, you're all a bunch of horrible sinners. You're all terrible. Look at all the bad stuff you do. Isn't going to accomplish anything if we don't come back with the love of Jesus is here for you. And so this strength, this is something that the scribes were good at, which was picking out little problems. They could find a problem and really go at it. Remember, they're the ones that know how to tithe in such a way that they've got all the things that are in their pocket they tithe on. Like whatever, whatever kind of hair they might pull out of their pocket, they pull one-tenth off. That's not the point. And so the disciples had been given, now let's go back to them, they had been given the command by Jesus. You say, why weren't they able to drive out the demon? Well, in Mark 3, 14 through 15, or this, it says he appointed the twelve, and he sent them out to cast out the demons. Mark 6, 7 says, and he called the twelve, and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And they had been so successful that it says in 6, 13 to 14, we had this earlier, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And they were so impressive that King Herod was impressed even with what they were doing. So they had had success in the past. They had been told by Jesus, drive out the demons. They had been given authority by Jesus, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't drive out this demon and they're wondering why. They're wondering, what it, what is it, what's the problem? And the worst part is, everybody's staring at him and saying, what is your problem? What is your problem? I thought you were those disciples that were with Jesus that could drive out demons. I've heard stories about the good things that you can do. Guess what? I'm not seeing it right now. And the scribes and the people turned on them. And you can see where they're struggling with their faith. And one of our reactions to failure is to become defensive. It says that they were arguing, but it seems to say that they were arguing back and forth. Instead of saying, I'll ask God what's going on, they start trying to argue with religious peoples that want to pick on them. They start doing unproductive things. Instead of saying, we need to go pray about this, or we need to study and find out what happened, study the Word, They start to get defensive, and guess what? When you get defensive, you don't learn much. When somebody wants to teach you something new and you're like, I don't want to learn that. Get that away from me. 
Hey, I got a totally different point of view that's going to rock your world. No, I don't want to listen. Get away. Get away. Get away. This is not the best audience. I don't want to learn anything new. I like everything the way it is. But we have to understand that we need to, that arguing with those who have no interest in changing their mind does no good. And remember Jesus, what his attitude with the scribes was? He was done with them. A few chapters ago, he said, I'm done with you. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. So what do the disciples do? First of all, they can't accomplish what God has called them to do. And second, they start arguing with people that Jesus has already said they're not worth arguing with. Leave them alone. So Jesus comes and he asks, what's the debate about? If you see in verse 16, what are you arguing with them? And someone from the crowd answered him and said, Teacher, I brought my, I bought my, I brought my son to you. For he is a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Now, we don't know the dialogue. Um, but we need to understand that at this point, what is needed is the presence and power of Jesus Christ. What was lacking is the presence and power of Jesus Christ. You say, well, didn't the disciples have it before? Yes. What happened that they have now not been able to do this? What happened that they have not been able to accomplish what God has called them to do? And why does Jesus have to come in and save the day right here? The crowd reaction when Jesus arrives. The second point I have is Jesus can probably do it. And I put that in a question mark. I think there's a lot of people with this kind of faith. Do you believe Jesus can do stuff? I think he can. Is Jesus over everybody? Good chance. Really good chance, 99.4. Maybe lower. Okay? All kinds of things that we need to understand is, do we truly have faith? So what happens is Jesus runs up, or Jesus comes, and the whole crowd runs to Jesus. Why? Because they know that Jesus is the center of their power. They had heard the stories of Jesus and what what he does. A hint of what the problem was here is that there was too much disciple and not enough Jesus. Too much disciple, not enough Jesus. Too much of the people trying to do the ministry and not enough pointing to the one who can actually accomplish something. Because I've got a hint for you. And this is one thing I've discovered as a pastor. It's one thing I've discovered as, as in everything in my life. I have never been able to save anyone. Never. And never will I save anyone. I have never been able to heal somebody myself. I've never been able to give them what they actually need. I, as a pastor, as a Christian, need to point to Jesus. Because he is the one that can transform. He is the one that was casting out the demons through the disciples. And what we're sensing, and you're already starting to see it come along, is the disciples were thinking, we're the ones who have figured out how to do this. Do we really need Jesus anymore? You know what I'm convinced of? You can build a large church. You can be a Christian leader and do it without a lot of Jesus in it. I'm not trying to say that's a good thing, but it's possible with good marketing, good techniques, things like that, to have the possibility to build something up big that doesn't have Jesus in it. But you know what? 
when it comes time for a power encounter with, the, with this world, it's going to fail. Because without Jesus, we're going to be like the disciples. We're going to hit something. And they're going to say, but you're a church. Why can't you handle this? You know why we can't handle this? Because we decided we could do it on our own without Jesus. We decided that we could make ourselves the way we needed to be and not have Jesus because he is the source of our power. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Now, first thing he says right here is, Faithless generation. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the disciples, but everybody else right there. You have decided to do it without God. You have decided to be the non-faith. We can handle it ourselves. The whole concept of, there's a lot of writings. I know, I know that uh, Stephen Hawking did one and other ones where we have now discovered enough in science that we don't need God. We have proven the God principle doesn't exist anymore. We just don't need him. And we've done it, even in the church world, we've kind of had this, we don't need him. He says, faithless generation, how long are you going to go on not believing in God's power to do anything? When I mean anything, how long are you going to think, first of all, that you can do more than God, and then second of all, that there's something that God can't do? How long are you going to do this? And when he says that word, how long, he is thinking to himself, I know the future here, everybody. We're on our way to Jerusalem. And guess what? When I get to Jerusalem, it's not going to be good for me. And I'm not going to be with you forever. I need to get this through to you right now. You need to start believing in me and understanding that God here on earth in Jesus Christ can accomplish great things in your life. And he is calling to the disciples, but he's also calling to us saying, how long are you going to do this on your own? How long are you going to look at things in life and say, you know what? Can't happen. Too big. God can't handle this. How long are you going to say, I'm the only one that can make this happen? How long are you going to do this? But you know what's fun about God? A frustrated God does not give up on us. If you're struggling with your faith today, I want you to understand something from this passage. Jesus doesn't go, how long? And just walk away. Have you ever had that happen with somebody? How long and just walk away? Maybe you've had that in your own life where people have have just said, I'm not helping you anymore. Okay, I had a piano teacher who told me to quit. I took that as a sign that her frustration level of how long do I have to deal with you had reached a certain point. Okay, and she just didn't want to see me anymore. And to this day, I'm not, I can't play the piano. Uh, But Jesus doesn't do this. Jesus doesn't look and say, how long 
you faithless generation. But you know what? What is his next word? Bring him to me. Bring him to me. And the father brought the boy to him. And the demon does what demons do. Another thing we need to understand about this world. Demons put on huge displays to try to look tough. Okay? They try to look tough. They're trying to act like they're just all, look at me, how tough I am. Uh, I'm going to convulse a boy on the ground. You, who do you think you are, O oh son of God? They know exactly who he is. But they're trying to scare God. And I can just see Jesus staring at him going, have you ever had a teacher do this, after, or a parent do this after you throw in a fit? Are you finished now? Are you finished now? I've had that question asked to me because I had some problems when I was in grade school, I'll be honest. Um, but, and so we, we would, you know, Jesus just says, and Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father says from childhood, and has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. We need to understand, the other reason I think we need to really understand our faith is there is a, God, is a power of this world that is trying to destroy us. And it's trying to destroy people around us. Do you understand that? Your friends and neighbors are having demonic powers in this world try to destroy them. Okay, try to drive them. Just like this example here. And the, exa- and the power comes from Jesus to save them. And so here's, uh, here's the reaction. Unbelief comes from the dad. He says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now you say, that's not nice to ask Jesus that. But if you can do anything, he's the son of God. He's been casting out demons like nobody's business. And Jesus' reaction is simply this. One of my favorite verses of the Bible. If I can. I, can do, I just love to see Jesus' face at this time. Um, excuse me? Did you just say, if I can? It's kind of like just, Jesus could sometimes, I think he had a little sense of humor, a little, you know, just like, wow, if I can. Yeah, whatever. All these is all things are possible for those who believe. Anything is possible for God. We need to understand that right now. There's not one thing that God cannot do in this life. And why, you say, well, why did this guy, in the face of the living God on earth, Jesus Christ, why did he struggle with his faith? You know why he struggles with his faith? The same reason a lot of people struggle with this faith, because the circumstances of this life had worn him down. Could you imagine? Let's go back to this story. The boy convulses, falls on the ground, rolls about, foaming at the mouth, and then this demon, since childhood, has been trying to throw your kid into fire and water to destroy him. Do you think that might mess with your head a little bit? So before we jump on this dad, we need to understand, you don't understand the circumstances he was under. You don't understand. Hey, it was miraculous that he brought his kid to the disciples. That's amazing. And then, guess what? Even after the disciples don't do what they supposedly could have done, 
he has still worthy to go to Jesus. Now you may say that he doesn't come with the right statement of faith, but he's still there trying. And he says the next line that I have repeated so many times in my own life when I'm going through difficult times. Another one of my favorite verses is, um, Lord, I, I believe, help me, help my unbelief. In other words, I want to believe, but I need your help, God. And so unbelief comes from the circumstances. And there is nothing outside of God's power. And I think that we need to understand also, when it says there's nothing outside of God's power, this does not mean God is our personal zapper. God is our, people have used this verse. Nothing is impossible for those who have faith in God. So that means if I want that row of chairs to be blue, it'll be blue because I have faith it'll be blue. Be blue. And you say, well, that sounds ridiculous. So does a lot of preaching on this. I'm picking on other preachers. Sure I am. Um, but you know what? It's the will of God. It's what God is saying. I can do anything, but I don't listen to all your crazy ideas. Okay? Just for the record. And thank God he doesn't listen to our crazy ideas. Otherwise, we'd be casting lightning down from heaven on things and, and turning things. It would just be chaos if God was on our personal thing. So be careful with this verse. I just want you to know, you may hear people say that you just have to believe because God will do anything you tell him. No, God will do what is in his will. So how does the faith... The faith, transforming faith, come from weak faith. Let's look at verse 24. Immediately the father of the, crowd, of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Love that verse. If you are struggling with your faith, this is something that you can pray to Jesus. And I think it is a, a wonderful verse. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him, and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So, what does this mean? Do we need perfect faith to see Jesus do something in our life? This is another teaching that is out there. You want to see Jesus act in your life? Well, guess what? I've got ten steps for you today to tell you how to have perfect faith, and once you get that perfect faith, God will do anything in your life. Please don't look this up on the internet, but I guarantee that there's teaching out there that says exactly what I just said. How to have perfect faith so that God will do whatever you ask him to do. This man does not have perfect faith. The scream is, I want to believe. I'm struggling, God. I have trouble believing. You don't understand. My son keeps getting cast under the ground. He keeps getting cast into fire. I'm struggling. Have you ever sat there as a, as a parent looking at your child suffer? Have you ever sat there yourself, perhaps, in a hospital bed? Have you ever sat there after a devastating loss? And you look up to God and you say, I want to believe that you are a good God, but I am struggling right now. And you know what Jesus says to that? I am here to help you. Jesus doesn't look and go, what? I'm sorry, I heard a hint of disbelief there. 
Thus, I will wait until you get it all perfect, and then I will do something great in your life. That is bad teaching. That is bad teaching, and it's spread out there a lot. Until you get the faith thing right, until you get it down, God's not going to do anything in your life. I'm sorry, I'm looking at a guy here saying, I want to, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. It's so unwielding in my life. It doesn't stop Jesus. Unbelief and belief are mixed in most of us. There are times that we struggle. There are times that we look at what's going on in this world and we say, we know that God is a good God, but man, I'm struggling with what's going on over here. This is bothering me. And when we, you know what? Come to Jesus with it. He's not offended by that question. He's not, I mean, the, the prophet who called out, why do the evil prosper? God wasn't offended. Bring it to him. But here's the deal. Don't stay in your unbelief. Go to Jesus with your unbelief. Don't just sit there and say, I'm having trouble believing, so I'm just going to have trouble believing. Go to Jesus and he will help you. The power of Jesus, which has been the problem all along, is that there hasn't been enough power of Jesus, takes over, and when the power of Jesus takes over, the healing is instantaneous. Because the power of God was needed, it happened, and that boy was saved from the demonic power. We have one last lesson in faith for us here. And when they had entered the house in verse 28, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. You know, the disciples are probably still struggling with their failure at this point. The disciples are sitting there going, great, we're failures. We're not men of faith. We're not doing what God has called us to do because we have let down people. We've made a bad, they may even think they've made a bad reputation for Jesus. The scribes, they got into a fight with the scribes, what they weren't supposed to do. And they're saying, help us. And you may pay, we may look at the disciples and say, they messed up. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't even follow their commands. They got into a fight. But you know what they did again and why we should commend them? They went to Jesus and said, help us fix it. You know what the common thing to do today is? Well, this is the way I am. I'm just a gossiper. That's who I am. I just got a temper. I'm just sexually immoral. I'm just this. I can't do it. I mess up. That's who I am. Come to Jesus and say, God, why do I keep doing this? God, help me do this. God, and you know what we find out about this? When you come to him with that kind of heart, he's willing to help you. He's willing to help you with your faith, and he's willing to help you with what's going on. And so, he's, it sounds exactly like the call of the Father, doesn't it? Help us, help us, help us. And he says that this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now, this is one of the more difficult statements. What does he mean by prayer? Does he mean that you didn't pray correctly? Does he mean that you didn't have um, this formula? Now, when people think of exorcism today, they think of the movies. Okay? They think of all the movies with the incense and the holy water and the priest doing the certain things and, and all of this stuff going on. 
And he says, was my prayer incorrect? Was our technique wrong? But you know what it was wrong? And what prayer, when he's concentrating on this prayer, is they were probably, what, what you can pick up from this, falling into the trap of, okay, Jesus, we got it figured out. We don't need to come and ask you for any more help. Okay, God, we're, we've got it on autopilot now as Christians. Uh, we're doing fine. We're not going to go to God in prayer anymore because things are going well right now. You know what? We always need to be in prayer. We always need to be coming to God because we don't know what the future is bringing. We don't know what the day is bringing. We need to go and be intently in prayer. One of the verses that sticks in my heart is Mark one thirty-five, going back to the beginning. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. There he prayed. And there are other examples. Jesus, before he went up on the cross, he prayed. Jesus went up into a high mountain and he prayed. I'm sorry, he's the son of God. And he went to pray to God the Father. I'm not, here's another question I know the answer to. Is anybody here the son of God? No. Guess what we need to do? If the Son of God needs to pray, how much more do we need to pray? How much more do we need to be in prayer? How much more do we need to have the attitude of prayer where we come together and say, we are going to pray to see this town transformed. We are going to pray to see this church move forward. We are going to pray to see the power of Satan be driven back. You want to clear out a church? Call a prayer meeting. I've heard it many times before. We're gonna, I've, I've been told this as a pastor. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a prayer meeting tonight. So what else are we going to do? Uh, we're going to pray. So what else are we going to do? We're going to pray. We, we, we as a board and a staff have really tried to have a time of prayer before every service. The reason that we have a time of prayer before every service, the reason that we pray during the service, the reason that we pray after the service, because Jesus says that things are going to happen when you pray and things aren't going to happen when you don't pray. If you do pray and get into the attitude that we are reliant on God, we are reliant on a God that created the heavens and the earth, and only by coming to him with our requests will we see anything mighty happen in our lives. You know what? This town, without prayer, is going to die and go to hell. But we need to pray and say, God, give us the peace, give us the strength, give us the power, and most of all, realize the fact that we're not the ones that are going to save it. It is you working through us that's going to save this town. But we need to pray. So what we think happened here is they just got to the point where they were just gliding. And they thought, we've done this whole exorcism. Oh, yeah, no problem. Exorcism, bring it on. Okay, in the name of Jesus, come out. In the name of Jesus, come out. Come out in the name of Jesus. I mean, I could see. I mean, I don't, we don't know the story here. But it was, were they really relying on God? Were they really calling on God? Or were they falling into the patterns of the exorcists of the day, which were like the ones you see in the movies, which were the formula exorcists? That had a certain method that they did everything. And they just thought, well, our method will get it through. So if you're here today, why don't you stand with me right now. And you're thinking to yourself, Lord, I am struggling with my faith. I have problems over, 
overcoming something in my life. Lord, I ask the question to you, Lord, if you can do something, will you do something in my life? And you know what God's answer to that is? If I can, if I can, trust me. God is saying, I can do anything. And you may be here and you're so ground down. I think of this man right here. His faith is beyond anything in mine. He is known for saying, I want to believe, help me in my unbelief. I can't imagine having a child possessed by a demon where the demon is trying to kill your kid. How that would have affected his faith is unbelievable. Yet he is still coming. He is still coming to God looking for this. So if you're here today and you've just been worn out, maybe it's a long illness, maybe it's a long something that's going on in your life, and it's been grinding you down, call out to God today and say, Lord, I want to believe. Help me in my unbelief. And you know the reaction that we see here? God's going to respond. And if you're dealing with something, you say, it's just not working. Also understand that our faith and what God does us really comes down to, are we going to rely on him in prayer? Or are we going to rely on our own techniques and our own talent? And God says, you rely on me in prayer, I'm going to do great and mighty things through you. I'm going to do great things because I'm going to build faith in you and I'll make it so these things are going to happen. Our prayer ministers are going to come forward right now. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never made him the master of your life, like I said before, this church, I can't heal anybody. I can't save anybody. No one has been saved because of a Pastor John Hubert. They've been saved because God saves you. And he is here today. Jesus Christ is here to save because his job was to seek and save that which was lost. Because he loves everybody here. And we are all dead in our sins. Every one of us here are dead in our sins before we became a Christian. There isn't one person here who is perfect. There's everybody here that has accepted Christ has had their sins forgiven and covered by Jesus. So if you're here and you need to make that commitment, come and talk to one of our prayer ministers. If you're here today and you say, I am struggling in my belief. I'm going through something that I need help. The one thing I didn't mention in my sermon I meant to mention, sometimes what we need when we're struggling like this is someone to come alongside us and pray with us. Why do you think we do that in the middle of the service where we say, I just need someone to pray with me? Have you ever got to the stage where you just can't pray anymore? You're so worn out from praying. You're so worn out from what you're going through. Lift one another up. So if you're here today and you're struggling with your faith, you're struggling with your belief, you're saying, I'm not sure what God's going to do in my life, come and talk to one of our prayer ministers. Let them pray for you. Because we believe, Jesus just said it, there is nothing that he can't do. Nothing. Nothing is out of bounds in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for these amazing verses today. God, some of the verses that have helped me in my life so much. And God, for everybody who's here, we can pray that prayer. Lord, I want to believe. Help me in my unbelief. I believe, God. I do believe, but Lord, I struggle with unbelief. Because sometimes I see things that just are too hard. Too difficult. But they're not too difficult for you, God. 
and let us bring it to you, knowing that you can handle everything, God. I want to believe, Lord. Help me in my unbelief. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our prayer ministers are available. Otherwise, you are dismissed.